0: When we talk about the history of a building, we're really talking about the history of the people who used that building. So first let's talk about the building, then we can talk about the people. The Temple of Israel at Fourth and Market Streets is one of the most distinctive structures in downtown Wilmington. With its Moorish revival design of arches, onion-shaped domes, and beautiful stained glass, the temple was built in 1876 and is believed to be not only the oldest synagogue in North Carolina but also the 10th oldest synagogue in the United States that's been in continuous use. As with all old buildings, maintenance is an ongoing issue and the temple's small congregation of about 200 families has struggled to keep up in recent years, putting the future of the nearly 150 year old building at risk. Services have not been held there since early 2020, just before the pandemic began. Last month, the congregation announced a $500,000 fundraising campaign make much-needed repairs. And I'm happy to say that, so far, the campaign is going well. Thanks to an anonymous $100,000 donation that came in recently, the temple is halfway to its goal, which means that it's well on its way to being preserved for future generations. Certainly, the Temple of Israel is an integral part of Wilmington's history, but its history also offers a fascinating look into the history of Jewish people in Wilmington. Some family names from the temple's early years, Bear, Liedenthal, Jacoby, can be found in Wilmington to this day. This is Cape Fear on Earth, the podcast exploring the legends, historical oddities, and landmark stories of southeastern North Carolina. I'm your host, John Staton, and I'm a reporter with the Star News here in Wilmington. We're a Gannett paper that's part of the USA Today network. My guests today are Glenn and Beverly Tetterton, both longtime members of the congregation at the Temple of Israel. Beverly is the president of the Temple's board, and she's also a historian who ran the North Carolina Room at the New Hanover County Public Library's downtown branch before retiring. Glenn taught history and German in New Hanover County schools for 27 years before he retired. And last year, Beverly published a book, The History of the Temple of Israel, which is both exactly what it sounds like and much, much more. Okay, I am sitting here in the downtown Wilmington home of Glenn and Beverly Tetterton. They moved in in about 1981. So, Glenn and Beverly, thank you for being on Cape Fear on Earth. Yeah, so I just, um, this, I've been reading your book. Uh, Beverly just, read, has, uh, just published a book last year. Well, what number of book is this for you? Seven, eight, ten?
1: <laughs> Quite a
0: few. It's called The History of the Temple of Israel in Wilmington, North Carolina. And uh, the Temple of Israel, of course, is at 4th and Market Streets, and it was built in 1876. And the book is fascinating in that it's about the temple, but it also, of course, gets into the history of Jewish people in Wilmington and of you know Wilmington itself. And um, as me and Glenn were talking about just a second ago, the temple dates to the 1870s, but there were Jewish people in Wilmington dating back to pretty much as far as we have recorded history almost, right?
2: Right. Uh, The first Jews here were, um, you know, just, you know, one or two at a time. And mostly Portuguese or, you know, Iberian Jews. Okay. If you
1: know where the Lazarus house is. Yeah, I do. uh, The Lazaruses were Jews.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. All right. And that house is a little over 200 years old. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's a long... So it was a long history, obviously. And then as you write in your book, in the middle 1800s, um, and then especially after the Civil War, uh, more and more Jewish people started moving here. Kinda tell us about why, what kind of prompted that you know, Jewish immigration into um, of Wilmington? 40 founding
2: families, 39 were German, and they were mostly Bavarian. And uh, before unification of Germany, Bavaria had very restrictive rules on what Jews could do. Most of them lived in small towns. There could only be so many married Jews in in those towns, and they couldn't just pick up and move to Munich or Nuremberg because there were restrictions on that, too. So, for young Jewish men, uh, one of the things they could do was go somewhere else. Also, the economy was changing. English uh, industrial fabrics was... Damaging to the rural economies of Germany because they did some, they did textile work and right. they couldn't compete with cheap factory cloth from England. Right. So the whole rural economy was kind of yeah. so they moved impression. to
0: Wilmington for sounds like for economic reasons, also social reasons.
2: Well, in Wilmington was the center of transportation for North Carolina and part of South Carolina, and uh, there were opportunities here. And so the Jews were moving here from the middle of the century on yeah. from Germany.
0: Yeah, and so well then, as built, and then as the number of Jewish people in Wilmington began to increase, eventually they're going to want to have a house of worship, right? And that just naturally follows. And so Beverly, talk a little bit about. Um, I know that there was an early congregation that maybe. Or didn't, it, um, it yes, didn't so, yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that and how you know the Temple of Israel as we, you know the building came to be just six months or so.
1: It didn't last very long, yeah. about six months. Uh, but uh, and there was only one person on that organizing committee for that um, synagogue who remained, and they would meet at his house, and then eventually more came and. They decided to form uh, or to build a synagogue. But even earlier than that, the earliest Jewish present presence is the Hebrew Cemetery at Oakdale.
0: Right. Okay. And
1: right after Oakdale was built, they bought a section, uh, which is still called the Hebrew Cemetery. Okay. Wow. And so that you know, what what Jews do is before you do anything else, you have a cemetery.
0: Right. Okay. Do you so know why? I don't know why, but I would love. To well, know. to have a synagogue,
2: you need ten living Jews, but to have a cemetery, you only need one. <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> so that will that makes sense. <laughs> now that is fascinating. And then, so then, you know, at some point, they started meeting, and they're like, "Well, we need to have a building. We need to have a building, just like you know the Christians do, or any other religion, where we can all gather and you know worship."
2: Yeah, synagogue means or comes from Greek. but it means assembly. Yeah, the Hebrew is Beit Knesset, which means House of Assembly, yeah. because it's a public,
0: for public worship. You can worship at
2: home on your own, but
0: sure. Well, and then what? This is fascinating to me as well. Is that you know, not to say that you know Jews weren't discriminated against? Because as we were just talking about, they didn't get the right to hold the vote or hold public office in North Carolina until the until after the Civil War. So clearly, there, clearly there was um discrimination, but at the same time. In some respects, they you know they seem to be a, have been accepted into the kind of larger community in Wilmington.
1: Yes, they were very well accepted. You know, they well they had in common with the German Jews that yeah. belonged to the Lutheran Church and the, the Catholic Germans. Church.
0: Yeah. The Germans,
1: yeah. yeah, they were Catholics and Lutherans. They ate the same food. Yeah. Uh, they listened to the same music, and so. They did surround themselves with other Christians. Yeah. And um, they seemed to be fairly well accepted. uh, The
2: the men were mostly in fraternal lodges. Yeah. So uh, that was a big, Masons or Knights of Pythias or. There were uh, lots uh, of lodges so. then because it was before TV. Right, that's and, what you did for entertainment. And, uh, and all there were things. lots of yeah. reasons, yeah. economic and social, that men joined. And it lodges.
0: seemed like it was less segregated. I think you know, obviously, you know, white and black in Wilmington was segregated very right. much at that time. But it seems like maybe less so Jew- with Jews white were recognized yeah, right. as white. Right, so you could and have a store downtown next to the, you know, the other stores, right? And it was
2: so you yeah. know, and you know, in the South, race. Always made a, had a big role, but yeah. uh, when you when a group is recognized as white, yeah. they're relatively free to move around among the others.
0: Right. Well, and then another thing I was realizing as I'm going through your book is a lot of these names I keep seeing, like some of the people that helped you know form you know start the Temple of Israel, you know Bear, Jacoby, uh, I think Bluthenthal is one of those in there, and those are names we still see around it's, Wilmington actually today. it's
1: Pronounced Bluth.
0: Bledenthal. Okay. All right. Thank you. Just the way it's spelled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I was here called Blumenthal, and I, knew, and I knew that wasn't right, but that's another name that pops yes. up in there as well. But
1: Bledenthal yeah. uh, Airport. You yep. know, it was called Bledenthal Field. Yep. But then there's also the Solomons, the Sternbergers. Yep.
2: Uh, Fishblade.
1: Fishblade, Cats.
0: Um. Fishblade was the first Jewish mayor. Right, and that was in the um, late 19th century, right? Right. Um, so, um, yeah, and then, so let's get the, so, so the temple was actually built, and I love the, you know, um, the Moorish, the Moorish uh, revival style is, you know, I mean, it's pretty, I'm exotic even for today, and I'm sure at that time it was really, um, I, mean, it's, I'm, I mean, the building stands out today, so I'm sure at that time it really was uh, something different. You know, that woman well, had not seen that type of building. The
2: architect... Samuel Sloan had designed First Baptist and the previous First Presbyterian, the one that burned in the 20s. And a bank. And a bank downtown. So he'd already done three buildings, and the bank had some Moorish elements. He also designed the octagon house in Natchez, which was in uh, True Blood. It was used as the... I'm with the band parking of Mississippi. Okay. all <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like you that. <laughs> And, and but, so he did some uh, other Moorish things. He was a yeah. very well-known 19th century architect from and also there were
1: more. There was a big connection between Wilmington and Philadelphia because of yeah. the shipping, and uh, there was there were was a very famous Moorish style.
0: Uh, temple in Philadelphia and Sloan was Sloan lived in Philadelphia right I'm the, the, the architect yeah
2: well then the Moore style was popular in the 1870s yes. uh, there were a lot of them in Europe and, and others in North America
0: there's just not many left now and um, yeah so then I love this part of your book Beverly and maybe you can talk a little bit about how you found some of this stuff but they talked you know when they finally um, they did a groundbreaking and it was a big deal it sounds like they had a parade they had you know music they had people talking they had a, they had a cornet club that played a. you know cornet was I mean that was pretty in the 19th century a brass instrument was probably pretty uh, pretty fancy so um, it was a big deal it sounds like I mean like from the very start
1: I got did a lot of research um, in the temple records yeah. and I've also done research in national records in in uh Cincinnati, where the Jewish Archives is. But to be honest with you, I got a tremendous amount of information from the local newspapers.
0: The Star News over at the the library, the North Carolina Room where you worked for so long.
1: There were other newspapers here at that time
0: too.
1: Um, But yeah, a lot of it came from the newspaper. In what we call Rosenthal Hall, which is the basement of the temple, mm-hmm. we have a tremendous, a, a large clipping from the star news of the day, of the all that oh, wow and it tells wow. you exactly what happened. It was so important to Wilmington that they put it on the, a full thing on the front page.
0: Wow. And that's, yeah, I mean, that is, that is amazing, and that's, you know... To think about, I mean, you know, wouldn't you love to just to be able to, you know, maybe time travel for a few minutes and just go back and, you know, hang out? Yeah, I gave a
1: lecture. uh, It was our 140th or whatever. Anyway, and I just got everybody to try to imagine what, if you were a woman, what would you be wearing? Yeah. Uh, What music would you hear? Who sang? And I know exactly who sang. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just trying to imagine gentlemen's clothes, yeah. what the children were wearing. Right.
2: Uh, the ladies had
0: bustles. Oh, wow. And, uh,
2: they, they wore a lot of clothes. They weighed about 40 pounds when you were fully dressed.
0: Yeah. And then it's, well, then this is maybe kind of a side note, too, but it's always been a, uh, like a reform temple from the first days, right? Is there there a particular reason for that, why it was, why it started as a reform? Well, Uh, the
2: the previous congregation had a a cantor who was the leader, and he wanted the members to close their stores on Saturdays because it's Shabbat. Right. But Saturday is market day in the south. That's when the farmers come to town, and um, it created a great deal of tension, which is one reason that the congregation only lasted a few months. Right, okay. So the Reform Movement was uh, more adept at dealing with that kind of economic reality. And almost all the Jews who lived here at the time were uh, businessmen. They had dry goods stores and clothing stores and shoe stores. And they needed to be open on Saturdays. Right, right. So the Reform Movement... Uh, fit in with the rural Jewish community, or the small-town Jewish communities
0: at the time very well. Yeah. When you, Beverly, doing your research, who are some of the, are there any personalities or individual people that really kind of stuck out, that kind of, you know, um, made an impression on you just uh, Abram, for whatever reason?
1: Um, Abram Weil.
0: Yeah. And
1: There were wheels here later, but his name was Abram Weil, and the congregation was formed at his house on 4th and Orange.
0: Wow. And so he called... Block or two from where we're sitting right right. now. Right.
1: And he called the group together, and that's when they organized the congregation, which was in like 1871. Yeah so the congregation has been around and then it was at that meeting that they decided that they were going to uh try to to raise the money to build a synagogue but he also um he what he was very active in moving around his son uh, went to chapel hill he was the first jewish valedictorian at chapel hill he his son went to prep school in Cincinnati at Hebrew Union, so he was very, very familiar with the Moore style
2: architecture. Yeah, Plum Street Synagogue in Cincinnati yeah. is still there, and it's oh,
0: Moorish style. So, is it, so the congregation actually formed in 1871. They didn't. It took them five years to get the building right. built, but um, yeah, and that's, that's pretty uh,
2: good for 40. That's years. pretty
0: good, and, and 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 I think you said in there. So they raised $20,000, about 20000 which is about half a million in our inflated yes. dollars of today. Um, and I think you told me before, but um, Beverly, it just wasn't local people that were donating or just Jewish people. They got donations from all well, over the state, from the state non-Jewish people in Wilmington.
1: And Germany. Oh, wow. Because um, these German Jews, you know, they still had connections to their families sure. in Germany. And they wrote back to Germany and they said, We're trying to do this. And so they got funds from their home families. And then some of them uh, say they had cousins in Philadelphia. Yeah. And they sent money. Cousins in Savannah. Yeah. You know, Charlotte, whatever. Or not Charlotte so much, maybe Raleigh. But,
2: right. You know. Or New Goals York. Or, uh, New York. <laughs> right. Yeah, the other Jewish. Settlements in North Carolina were extremely small then, yeah. but there were a lot. You know, the men were all in lodges, and their lodge brothers contributed as well.
0: Well, absolutely, and then, well, and then I think we should. I'm not, I'm not sure that we mentioned this earlier, but if, when this synagogue was built, it was the first in the state, or yeah. I guess it's, still, it's or there was the oldest in, Charleston, in the state. Yeah. There's one in Charleston, South Carolina. One in
2: Richmond, yeah. and maybe Norfolk. I'm not sure, yeah. but in Savannah. In Savannah, yeah. so they were mostly port cities, and mm-hmm. Wilmington was not as easy a port to get to, so it was a little slower in developing right. than, say, Savannah or Charleston.
0: Yeah. But even today, it's the, around the 10th oldest uh, synagogue in the United States. Is that in, right? In, in one, continuous use. In continuous use, There are okay. some
1: older ones, like in Providence, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. In fact, the one in Durham, which is probably the 2nd, in Durham? Durham, that they fixed up. Um,
2: no, at, not in Durham. Goldsboro, States, Statesboro. No, Statesboro. the
1: one, Greensboro.
2: Greensboro, Greensboro,
1: yeah. yeah. And um, so that congregation does not meet there. Right. But they have built a new campus okay. out, outside, but yeah. they continue to have it you know, they have weddings and bat mitzvahs oh. and special events there. But their congregation is too big for it. Yeah. But ours, we are one of the oldest in the country that have has been in continuous
2: use. Yes.
0: And, that's, and that's just fascinating to me that it's been, you know, because we've seen so many houses of worship churches that are, now they're event spaces or now they're not, you know, churches anymore. The, the average yeah.
2: synagogue lasts about 80 years. Yeah. But then with demographic shifts, uh, when, you know, the populations move to other parts of the, the area. Yeah. Um, it, it just makes it harder to keep going. But yeah. Yeah. in Wilmington, uh, particularly with the developments in Leland and uh, surrounding areas in Brunswick County, yeah. uh, our congregation is right back in the center of the community.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and there's about and so there's about two hundred families today that are um, part of right. the congregation. What was a it, is that the most it's ever been, or like, or is there a certain point there's a oh there's a, been a height.
2: We've been uh, we membership it, it fluctuates because yeah, people sure. move in and out, and some people check out permanently. Sure, they do. <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it was much smaller when we joined in the eighties. Yeah. but Then when the interstate came, things picked up more so uh, but we have members from Chocowenity to Myrtle Beach and because we do a lot on Zoom and Facebook they can participate and that COVID's really increased our use of that kind of
0: technology and uh,
1: the White Bull synagogue is closing
0: oh wow okay I did not know
1: that they only have eight members
0: okay and they
1: are—they've closed, are, they've closed yeah. and they are supporting us. They're well, going to give us a lot of
2: yeah. Uh, that's great. And, and then the renovation,
1: and then they—they they have become members. Some okay, of
2: them, and some have joined Bene Israel or in Myrtle Beach. You know, the, yeah. the congregation. There's only three Jews still living in quite mm-hmm. of the
0: Right. Rest of yeah, and then well, that, so maybe talk about. You know, we can talk about some of the. Um, you know, what are some of the, as you've, as you've done the research in the book, what are some of the highlights, you know, what are some of the things that you remember, you know, because obviously it became, you know, central to the community early on. What are some things that kind of happened over the years that, um, that, that were role, significant?
2: The role of women increased. Yeah. Um, our daughter was the first woman to say the blessing over the wine. Oh, wow. It was traditionally something that men said. And, um, she was a teenager when she did that. Yeah. So, you know, women, the role of women has increased, and uh, Beverly's the fourth woman president since we've been members. And okay. So that's a, that's a change in the movement. We just celebrated 50 years of uh, women rabbis in our movement. Okay. But, but you know, uh, when it's 50 years for the whole movement, yeah. it still takes a long time to filter down to us. And, right. Uh, individual synagogue.
0: Well, and then let's talk a little bit about what, you know, uh, well, actually, let me step back a second. What was the last time that you know, what was the last in person um, gathering you had at the temple before COVID and before? Uh, well, was, there, just was it March, like right before COVID? Just before things yeah. shut down, yeah.
2: we invited Marcy Cohen Ferris, yeah. uh, who taught um, Southern food courses yeah. at Chapel Hill, and she also had a course on Southern Jewish food. And so we invited her down. We took some of her recipes and some other Jewish recipes we had, and yeah. we had a big dinner. Yeah. Uh, her
1: and book her, is matzabal
2: Ball. Matzo Ball Gumbo. Oh, wow. And uh, so she came down and gave a talk, and we filled our... Uh, Hall at the Reedman Center, mm-hmm. and um, she gave a talk at the Temple. So that was uh, almost the last thing we had. We had one more Shabbat after that, and okay. then things shut down yeah. for COVID. Yeah, uh, and we've met a few times over at the Reedman Center right. since then.
0: But yeah, and then well, <clears throat> let's talk a little, little bit about the building itself because um, you know it's an old building. You guys live in an old house. I live in an old house. Um, and they require a lot of upkeep, and upkeep is not always um, cheap, and it's usually never cheap, honestly. But um, what are well, and so, and you started, I guess, last month. You guys did the started the public fundraiser, trying to raise um, half a million dollars for repairs to the temple. Now, from the outside, it looks to me, it looks good. You know, even from the inside, the stained glass is still there and beautiful. The uh, the the I guess you call them the domes on the top of there. Is that yeah. the right term yeah. the domes still look beautiful and now along the side the side wall along Market Street it looks like there is um some damage tell me a little bit about what has happened and kind of what you guys um would like to see when you' raise the money
2: well Florence damage a lot but yeah. insurance uh, paid for it and we got some donations mm-hmm. and we were able to get back in the building yeah and then Dorian came as you remember yeah. it was not a huge storm but it created some damage at the temple. Yeah. Um and in looking and then covid. Yeah. And then looking at the damage to the temple I yeah. found that there was a lot more that was not related directly to the storm. Okay. And um so that's when it became yeah. a in terms of the foundation
0: problem. or is it like a Well, there's some foundation problems, yeah, there's, there's water
2: problem. intrusion problems. Yeah. And there's drainage. And drainage right. of the drain yeah, the drains from uh, the roof are yeah. not big enough at the time, they okay. were fine because the trees weren't big, right? But now the trees are taller, right? And so it it's created some serious problems. And we yeah. had a clean out spout, and they could go down to the spout, yeah, yeah, they couldn't right. go, they didn't have a way to get up, and so yeah, the okay. block drain, it's just created. Okay,
0: so the trees are blocked with drains, and you got it, and it's hard up into the big roof. It's hard to get up there. Yes. So it there was. Up. So, it's gonna, yeah, so anyway. there
2: was damage that was not detected. Yeah. Okay. Right away. Yeah. We've done renovations over the yeah, years. Yeah, sure, of course. And uh, we've spent a lot of money, but mostly the money came from within the congregation. Yeah. So this time, um, the board said it's too much for the congregation yeah. to bear that cost yeah. alone. Well, and, and I know that I had we had a public
0: fundraiser. Yeah, and I know that you had it was kind of floated out there. Well, maybe is it time because you have the is it the Ariban Center up a, a few blocks up market? So you have that, and now it was maybe discussed. Well, maybe is it time to sell the building? Was that ever seriously discussed, or was it more the just board, you know, maybe we need to consider it out of you know, the
2: board was considering options,
0: yeah, and
2: selling it was an option, yeah. but
0: we don't think it
2: was in sellable condition, yeah.
0: And that, well, and, that's, and also that's, you know, I would think that would be almost like a drastic move, right? Because that's part of the Jewish heritage, drastic. and that would almost be like a, yeah, if you would have no, maybe that, that maybe that is like you have no other choice. Although you if you see, look but, at
2: Preservation North Carolina, there's yeah. often a downtown church somewhere True. that's, that's uh, moved. Right? True. And so it's not... It's not an impossibility, yeah. but it would certainly be a great sadness yeah. for a lot.
0: Well, seems like, well, and the good news is the fundraiser is seems to be going pretty well. It, it is. is. Yeah. You now, what are you Although costs have gone up? In well, the meantime. And, and they're all and they always are. I just thought it was fascinating that the five hundred thousand is almost the same in terms of you know the as original. we've talked about. It was built for twenty thousand, which in today's money is five hundred thousand. So now, you know, it's funny and. And they were, there were also, fundraising back then, just like yeah. you're fundraising today.
1: We're also going to um, have another phase for maintenance. Okay. So, and we actually don't know how much it's going to cost because no. once you, you know, and it, you know, when you get into your house,
0: I you never it's know. Always, you, you know what? Are, I can house. only imagine it would. It, it, I, well, it's never cheaper, is it? It's never. Right. It's always more than you thought. And, <laughs> and so we
2: considered you, selling our child. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, then, well, you know. Well, that's, we didn't you know, think
2: we'd get that much for
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, and and Beverly I, and Glenn, I have to ask you about this too because I've always loved this story, and I don't know, have no idea if this is true. I hope it's true. If it's not, it's still a wonderful story. But as you know, the um, and you've probably heard this story of uh, the domes are you know now they're painted gold. I had heard a story, I think from Tony Rivenbark, was when uh of and Hall. When Claude Howell lived up in the Carolina Apartments for years and he would look down, I think part of his view was, you know, the temple. And at some point, maybe in the past, those domes were not painted gold. And at, he saw they were doing some renovations, some painting, and he went down there. And he's like, you know what, it sure would be nice if those domes were painted gold like they were when I was a boy. They're like, oh, that would be nice. Apparently, they were never painted gold when he was a boy. He just thought they would be, they, they would look nice gold, and they do, absolutely. So I don't know if there's any truth to that story, if you ever heard that story I just thought it was well. Let
1: me tell you, Tony spent a lot of time with Claude, but we did too. Yeah, Uh, we when we were so poor, we would hire a babysitter every Tuesday night and go see Claude. Oh wow. I mean, that was our big entertainment. (laughs) Well,
0: he was very entertaining.
1: And Claude would sit there and he'd say, look at the domes. I've even got a Christmas card that he, you know, he used to make his own Christmas cards and he gave it to me with the temple domes. Uh, I'm sure that he had his eye on it because he had his (laughs) eye on everything. Right. But I can tell you when we had a renovation um, and they did need painting. Yeah. Uh, Ed Terberg was hired and Ed... Said, um, you know what, let's go to Rippy Cadillac. And he got gold Cadillac paint, and that's what they used to paint.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And they've been gold ever since. This is probably in right. the 80s. Yeah. 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 Although I can't remember another. Early song. 90s, 80s. Yeah. 90s. yeah.
1: And, I'm not and sure. if you look at the cover yeah. of the book, yeah. and that is an original. Watercolor.
0: Yeah, they're kind of goldish it's from orange. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of burnt orange, maybe. Uh, yeah, and but and it, if uh, people don't know, Claude Howell, of course, was an artist in Wilmington for a long time. But um, yeah. So what? Um, so moving forward, what do you see? You know, I guess ideally, you know, two, three, five years from now. You know, where do you where do you see the temple? Because you have you know, on the Reuben Center, you can meet there and do um, you know, synagogue activities there. What do you see the role of the building well, being? You like, know, we'd like to use
2: the building yeah. more than just Friday evenings. And, yeah, um, Wilmington's uh, destination wedding site, yep. uh, city, and so I've uh, been to a wedding there, and it's been uh, more, yeah, yeah. we would like to you know, be able to rent it more for weddings. Also, yeah. I mean. But you know, for our Bar it's sure. a day Mitzvot and um, other special events. Yeah. We, we and tend the high to use holidays, that. too. Yeah. yeah.
1: But also, I have, I can't tell you, I've taken probably thousands of people through that
0: building. Wow. No, I believe it.
1: On tours. Um, you know, we got a call last week. A person who's doing a Netflix series yeah. called us up and said, uh, Could you. Could you show me the temple yeah. and
0: the Hebrew cemetery? And we took her around. Well, it'd be a beautiful. It would be a beautiful. Uh, it would be a beautiful um, I don't know. I assume stuff has been filmed in or around yes. there. Oh yes. uh, rabbi Sidlowski, the
2: yeah, Rabbi Sidlovsky, the last Rabbi, was in a film doing a wedding, okay. a Jewish wedding yeah. there. We told him he didn't look rabbinical. <laughs> in it, but he was only in for about thirty seconds. Right.
0: Well, it is, I mean, it has got, I mean, it is, it is very historically significant just because of, I mean, it's got the beautiful arches and the stained glass and the domes and, I mean, it's just a beautiful building.
1: And at the news conference, I think it was Rob Zapple who said that he has always thought of the temple being right in the heart of the historic Mm -hmm. buildings because you've got Thalian Hall down the street, you've got the Bellamy, you've got St. James and these large, mostly public buildings are right in the heart of the historic district. And also, of course, the Birdland Wright house down the street, so.
2: It's part of the fabric of the community, and that's one of the reasons we were able to get a lot of donations from this neighborhood.
1: We also got donations um, from uh, former members and families in Greensboro, Weston yep.
0: Salem, Charlotte. Uh, well, that is just wonderful to hear. And as people, you know, like you said, people have a lot of love for this building and this congregation in this town. So I think it's, you know, that says a lot that um, that people are willing to, you know, give, like you said, when they don't even live here. Yeah, you know, so,
2: we've, we've been helpful in, our, in times too. When Front Street Methodist Church yep. burned in the 1880s, we invited the Methodists to come to the temple for Sunday. Yeah. And they did for three years while they were building their new church on Mulberry Street. Huh. And they named it Grace, and the street name eventually changed to yeah, when that's... that one burned, they met at the Lutheran Hall while they built the one they yeah. have now.
0: Well so Mulberry just... is what Grace Street used to be called. Yeah. Okay. Um, well so what else should we talk about? About the on the temple. What is um you know if um do, you, you guys have been there going there for so long what is, what's a what's a good memory you have um, of it or being in service is there just anything that happened um, there
1: there's so many but of course you know when you have a child yeah, everything you've done with children uh, my daughter was married there um, the, there's just some great great memories like for example a former rabbi did Uh, a service every once in a while, call invite your neighbor. Oh okay. And people, you know, like Bob Jenkins, you know, the famous tour guy. Bob called me up and he said, I've been dying to get in that (laughs) building and I'm dying to know about Judaism. So not only did people come number one to learn about Jewish faith, but they came because they wanted to go in the building. I've taken uh Congressman or yeah. congressman
0: through here, and they
1: would say to me, "I've been driving by, past this place yeah. all my life, and I've always wanted to go in." Yeah.
0: Well, um, Beverly Tetterton, Glenn Tetterton, thank you so much for your time and for I'm um, talking with uh, Cape Fear on Earth about the Temple of Israel. Thank you. Thank
1: gotta you gotta be. You, you need to be over there in five minutes.
0: And that's it for this episode of Cape Fear on Earth and our look at Wilmington's mm-hmm. Temple of Israel. We'll be back soon with another chapter of Wilmington history. Till then, make sure you're a member of our Facebook group, where listeners can ask questions about our episodes and share their own memories of the region's history. In that group, I post extra content from each episode and links to all my coverage of local history for the Star News. You can find that group by searching Cape Fear Unearthed on Facebook. Don't forget to sign up for the Cape Fear Unearthed newsletter that goes out every Thursday. Sign up for the newsletter at starnewsonline.com newsletters. Cape Fair on Earth was written, edited, and hosted by yours truly, John Staton. You can find more of my work at starnewsonline.com. Additional editing was done by Adam Fish. This podcast is made possible by listeners and readers like you. Support local journalism and Cape Fair on Earth by subscribing to the Star News today at starnewsonline.com. slash subscribe. And you know what? While you're subscribing to things, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream this show so you'll never miss an episode. While you're there, leave us a review which will help even more people find Cape Fear on Earth. Till then, get out and explore the Cape Fear region on your own. You never know what you might unearth.